What's up, man? Can you, can you hear me okay? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes. Good. We got All sound, right, cool. Good. We got sound check out of the way. Yes, sir. How you doing? Nice to meet you, man. Nice to meet you too, bro. Well, I'd like to welcome everybody to the Leeds Entertainment Podcast brought to you by the Chubby Chickpea Restaurant. Today, got a very special guest, Jill Rob G. Like I said, we're meeting for the first time. Our man C-Doc hooked this up. We have a mutual friend. And uh, I'm very aware of your history, so thank you for making time. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I know you had to move a little things, a couple things around to make this happen a little last minute, so I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Cool. So, you know, I, you know I do, when I do these things, you know, I, I like to go back. I always go back <laughs> because I think the story is important and stuff like that. New Jersey, born and raised. Jersey City. Flavor you, yep. Flavor Unit. One of the original members. Talk to me about Flavor Unit. You know, you know, what was that experience like? Who was in the group? Talk about that era, because I mean, it's very interesting to me. This was around the time. Um, oh, jeez, what year was it? it? Was around like eighty eight, eighty nine. Mm -hmm. uh, so Rockin was large. Kane, uh, BDP was large. Um, group of friends from Jersey City moved to a neighboring town and they met the 45 King. Uh, you know, I was well known in Jersey City for rapping because I was rapping everywhere I could, every block party, every basement party. Whenever I could, I was there and I did my thing. So um, they reached out to me. That The, the friends I'm talking about is uh, Lati and Apache. Uh, Lati, and Lati moved Shabazz, to right? Lati Shabazz? No, no, no. That, that, Lati uh, is one person. Lakim. La La there you go. Lakim Shabazz. I think Lakim dropped the Shabazz also. So it's just uh, the god Lakim right now. I think. Oh, yeah. So, but um, Lati and Apache, they met the 45K and they, I ran into one of them and they said, yo, come through and you need to meet this dude. And so I went by, uh, met the 45K, you know, we were in there had a little cypher going and uh, he got my number from one of those dudes and called me up, the 45 King did, and said, yo, you sound like you're ready to, you know, make a demo or something. We should go in the studio and try to get something done. So that's how I got my first demo out the way. But as far as the flavor unit, we were just, a, you know, everybody knew each other. We were all friends, more or less. And we all had the same goal. And, you know, the 45 King had that connection with Red Alert. So he was kind of like, uh, you know, the son that we were all revolving around and, and we were the planners just trying to make something happen. Man. And that's how that went. Who was, can you name all the members in the flavor unit, sweet? Probably not, but I'll try. Let's try. Um, me, Lati, Lakim Shabazz, Latifa, Apache, Double J, uh, oh, shit. Uh, Naughty by nature, right? Naughty by nature, thank you. That's a bit, that's a bit. Uh, <laughs> uh, 45 King, obviously. And I'm sorry. Oh, Tahid. And then it was like a couple of dudes, man. I apologize, man. It's all good. I do not, yeah, shit. So it was, strictly I, it was a strictly a Jersey artist, though, right? Definitely everybody was from Jersey. Now, did you guys yeah. feel like you were in the shadow of New York at that time, or was it all love? Like, was it like, was there a distinction between dudes rapping in Jersey and dudes rapping in New York? Uh, was it, or was it blended together? 
Um, there was no real distinction for us. It was all hip hop. Right. Um, you know, uh, New York definitely had the game on lock at that point, though. Nobody else was really doing anything. Yeah. Outside of New York, Buzz was starting to come out of Texas, and yeah, we did start hearing things out of L.A. So that was starting to happen, you know. But um, it was a New York, it was a New York's game, and yeah. everybody else was trying to play it. Yeah, that's and what Sean, it was. Uh, Sean, poor, poor righteous teachers too, right? Jersey, Trenton, Trenton, Trenton different area. Your, what section of Jersey are you from? Uh, North Jersey. That's really close to New York. Like I'm in Manhattan right now. It's mad close. Right. All right. Cool. Yeah. So, the way, how does the ride the rhythm album happen? How does that happen? Um, as an extension of me and Mark doing that demo, we got a little bit of attention. Uh, Red Alert was cool enough to play the thing on a on a white label, and he played it on the air without, you know, I didn't have a deal. And um, the guy who owned Wild Pitch Records reached out to Red Alert to find out who I was. And um, Red gave him my number. So I went, I met the guy. You know, we had a couple of cheeseburgers. We talked about music. And he said... You know, he had a label and he wanted to sign me to a deal and I was really excited by that. So I said, Yeah, sure. And he gave me the he gave me a contract and that led to Wild Pitch. And Wild Pitch at that time had a lot of great artists. I know a lot of you guys were unhappy there, but the the A and R the A and R was was pretty on point for its era. It was pretty on point. In the beginning, I have to admit, in the beginning, the first three or four acts, Stu Fine picked them out on his own. Okay. So myself, Lati, he had another guy, I ain't gonna say his name again. And uh, myself, Lati, and uh, I believe Guru yeah, were all Stu Fine's, Stu Fine's picks, I believe. I know it was definitely me and Lati, but I don't think any, I think he picked Guru also. Yeah. Gangster. Yeah, no more Mr. Guy, nice Guy Gangstar is on Wild Pitch. Lord Finesse, yep. funky technician, is on Wild Pitch. I your, don't know your... if he picked Lord Finesse, though. I think by that time he might have had some other people doing his A&R. Well, I guess the, the, the word was that Guru Gangstar kind of A&R in that situation, but I, I don't know if that's oh, okay. But uh, It might be. might be. Yeah. But anyways, a lot of classic hip-hop on Wild Pitch, all side, you know, other business aside. The stuff that came out, mm -hmm. classics. Yeah, so, no doubt. So your album comes out. It's classic. When for people that don't know what happens next, <laughs> and something very significant happens next, you drop, you know, you drop, you know, um, what is it? the power, the power, right? Is the song, no. right? No, no, no. Tell the story because I'm a little confused on it because I, I was trying to under understand the difference between what happened. Can you tell what you happened? by yourself? You ain't the only one confused, okay. man. Thank you. Let's so, so. We did that uh, before we even really, before the album was done, we released a 12 inch that had Let Me Work, Let the Words Flow, and uh, Quarters in Session on it. Okay. Uh, the Let the Words Flow single also included an instrumental and an acapella. So, the, you know, the song was kind of hot, hip hop, everybody liked it. And um, so, here's some information that came to me kind of recently. A guy out of Texas uh, named Anderson said that he's the guy who decided to do the mix on Let the Words Flow. And he, he remixed it. He chopped it up. Um, 
and he put a little, you know, bouncy beat behind it with some bells and all of that. Made a made a like a club, you know, record out of it, party record. It was really kind of dope. That's the power. This guy named Anderson created that. He said um, he was going to present it to Wild Pitch, but I don't know how. He he wasn't really clear. He couldn't explain to me how the two guys from Germany are now claiming credit for that for that remix that he did. So what happened was this remix came out. Uh, let me back up. Let me back up. <laughs> so we put out this uh, single, Let the Words Flow, and it's doing pretty well. We're getting nice you know, reports on it as far as the sales and all of that, blah, blah, blah. And I happened to be in Europe with the Jungle Brothers maybe a month prior to that release. So they were back in Europe. They were in Germany at a club and they saw somebody go on stage and they were doing a remix version of Let the Words Flow. And so Africa from the Jungle Brothers called me up and was like, hey man, listen, we just, we was out last night. We out here in Germany. We saw this guy doing your song. You know, I didn't think anything of it at first until he kind of explained that they was doing a remix and that they was introduced as this new group and this was their new hit record. And the guy was literally doing my vocals. There was only one version of the song and he's on stage and he's lip syncing. So, okay, all right, that's, that's suspect. So I went to the label. I'm thinking that's an easy win for us, man. We, you know, we sue them, shut them down, no problem. But when I got to the label, they had a copy of the record that I wanted to complain. I was looking for something to show you. But they had a copy of the record that I, I was there to complain about uh, with some nice, beautiful artwork on it. It was completed product and is being put out on Areola Records in Germany because that's the European label, Areola. That's Arista. Hey, can I just so, stop you real quick? The sure. The we're talking about is I've Got the Power by Snap. Yes, sir. By yes. Snap, which was a massive hit in the early 90s. Yes. Massive yes. dance, dance era hit. It was everywhere. Everywhere. Okay, so go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry I left that part out, but yes. It's a big part. So now we, now we, we got the power. And uh, so Stu Fine was saying, you know, we should just go ahead and put the record out because it's our product. You know, basically because I'm the artist. And Blasey, all right, fine, let's do it. Let's put the record out. So we put it out and we're doing nice things with this record for a good three months you know, popping off. But then Arista decided to also release the record in the U.S. So now they had it out in in Europe and they got a U.S. release and they decided to shoot a video. So they got the guy that they had lip syncing, go into the studio, do some new vocals, but, you know, don't mess up. Stick to the original, you know, formula. Try your best to beat your Rob G in there. So he did that. He went in the studio. He gave us his version of the power. Now there's two records because we put out the version and, and they put out another version with this guy with some different vocals. Yeah. Okay. Got so now it. we got two. Yeah. Now there's two records out there. All right. Crazy. Right. I, I'm glad you cleared that up because I was trying to figure it out. <laughs> Crazy. So, so they take your song, they read. Oh, I'm sorry, hold on, hold on. Oh, there we go. Black yeah. out. Yeah, all right, back. All right, yeah. cool. So they take your song, remix it. You put the original remix out. Then they yes. take that remix, redo it, and have someone else rap different vocals over it. Yes. 
and it's a smash hit and you get nothing for it, correct? I get nothing for it and from, I get nothing for it. Yeah, that's a good answer. Right. Right, because I didn't get paid. Damn. That's unfair. That's unfair. <laughs> Talk about a reason to smack a motherfucker. Well, yeah, you know, they, changed, they, they probably changed the lyrics because they didn't want to. That's why they probably changed the lyrics. If they didn't want. Pay. Well, they changed the lyrics, but they didn't change the hook. They left. They left me on the hook, saying it's getting, it's getting, it's getting kind of hectic. Right. So I'm in, still on that record. And originally, and your label owned the record, so and they didn't pursue anything. Correct. They didn't pursue anything. Why? Why wouldn't you pursue anything when it's such wow. an easy win? Because you must have done a deal with them already. You got paid, Stu Fine. Damn. Sorry to hear that, man. That's what I'm thinking anyway. Why else wouldn't you do the deal? Why wouldn't you go after your shit? That's your shit. Why wouldn't you move on it? Yeah. So, yeah, that's what happened, man. Well, that's unfortunate. Um, you know, all things aside, you're a part of a classic record, and, you, you know, you made the original, and, you know, you get, you know, you have a piece of that. When you didn't get paid, I know it must eat you up. But um, you did make a great record. And it was so good that they had to redo it. So, I mean, at least you could be, you know, look at that. <laughs> yeah, 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 no doubt, no doubt. I mean, you know, it was, it, it was crushing me. But at this point, you know, you can only suffer for so long, right? Before you either, you know, heal or something going to happen. And I think I'm not over it, but I'm over it, more or less. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't weigh on me like it used to. Yeah. Uh, it did contribute heavily from me, you know, moving forward. It definitely shut down my relationship with Wild Pitch yeah. because I can't trust this label. These people can't protect their artists. Like, anybody could just come along and take whatever they want from the Wild Pitch catalog and redo it, and it's fine with Wild Pitch. They ain't going to do a thing about it. I wasn't happy with them at all. I wasn't happy before that because I wasn't really getting paid from them. But after that, it was like... I mean, it's crazy. Man. So, what do you do after that? What happens? Where do you? What you know? What What do you do? I mean, I kept working. The record was so hot that I, it kept me working for maybe two years. I'm running around performing, and um, you know, just a lot of stuff started happening in my own personal life. Plus, the label being so shitty, I just I backed up. You know what I mean? I I decided not to keep you know pursuing music like that. Right. I couldn't. You, you 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 do make you do make a record though in what ninety six I know it's tricky got a hold of one of your records right that's from the album tricky remade um uh bad dreams uh, and tricky was and a bad big dreams was a thing right now tricky was a big yeah 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 you, yeah yeah, you yeah, yeah you know, no tricky was what well how would you define his music because it's kind of total different I think he said it was tri trip hop was a thing yeah trip hop well, the like, beats was really weird. The beats were kind of reminding me of like uh, Porter's Head. If anybody ever heard Porter's Head, you should check them out. They're, they're kind of funky. But yeah, uh, yeah, the beats was kind of eerie and he would just rhyme over it. And if you don't know who Tricky is, Tricky was in the movie Fifth Element. He was the guy who they was trying to, who, you know, he was like one of the minions trying to shut down Bruce Willis. He got killed. But, it, you know, it was a good movie. Yeah, he's kind of—he was kind of like this dark, gothic-looking, weird. You know, it was just like just real avant-garde type of type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the mix that he did on Bad Dreams is crazy too. It sounds wacky as hell. Yeah. But hey, that's his crowd. They liked it, and and you know, respect, man. He chose my record out of all the records in the world to redo. So that was cool.
The Source calls Ride the Rhythm one of the greatest hip hop, one of the greatest hundred hip hop out of a hundred. How should I describe One of the best albums, top 100 albums. Top 100 albums. Yeah, go. that was back in 2000. 2000 something. Still. Huh? That's still a good one. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I'm not knocking it at all. I'm not knocking it at all. I mean, I appreciate it. You know, and I agree with them. <laughs> I'm sure you do. I'm I sure do. You do. So, so you get away from music. Is that a chat? Is that is it hard to? I mean, I know you have such a bitter situation. Is it hard to stay away for as long as you did? Because you come back in what 2012 with albums, right? Or for, for, for the public, I came back in 2012. But I I'm with me every day. So hip hop is with me right. wherever I guess in my head. You know what I'm saying? And the process is always there. Even right this minute, if I hear a funky beat, I immediately start, you know, flipping through what what type of flow would fit, what lyrics would fit with that. It's just the way I do. It's, it's what right. I do. So, but yeah, I actually got back in the studio and started releasing stuff around 2012, something like that. If you said that's what it is, that's what it is. Yeah, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm skimming on the, the Spotify here. Um, oh, okay. What made you say, I need to get back to this after all that? You know what I mean? What was like, I want to get back to it? Uh, I felt like it was, you know, it was time, I guess. You know, I had a lot of people in my ear the whole time, every day. Where's the new stuff? Where's the new stuff? Where them bangers at? It wouldn't stop. I'm sorry. Hey, man, I can't, can't stress that enough. People will let you know when they're ready to hear your stuff, and you'll know when they don't want to hear you because after a while, it's kind of slowed down. They stop asking. So I noticed that they stop asking, and I think that's what sent me back to the studio. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny because I have I have a lot of talented artist friends, and and they and they've gone on hiatuses and stopped. In the one, and I'm, I'm kind of hard on the ones that I know can still do it. They can really rap and are really good. I you know I I be like, what are you doing? You gotta still do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. You have a gift. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like get back to it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I'm sure. And then you know what? To be I'm, I'm gonna be completely honest with you, man. After a while, you begin to see yourself as having matured past the game. Cause I thought for a while, maybe, you know, this ain't for me no more. I'm too old to be doing this. It's a young man's game. But then you listen in and let's consider the fact that it's not football, it's not boxing. Nobody's punching me in the face. I don't have to run no sprints. I can get out there and yell with the best of them, man. So yeah, I could still rap, and it's not that much of a problem for me. And I, and I always appreciate people's wisdom too. And as you get older, you get more wisdom in your lyrics. And I've always said that if you're good, you'll get better with age. You right. know what I mean? You 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 you, right. you got more to say. You got more life experience. I think that's yeah, I think that's more valuable than anything else, in my opinion. Yeah, that should help, no doubt. But, you know, you can do it these days independently, you know what I mean, versus having to be in this crappy music label industry situation that plagued the 90s, you know what I mean? The, from the war stories I hear from people, I mean, it was, you know, you're, you're not the best, only one. <laughs> the, the, the best thing about technology over the last 15, 20 years is it kind of took the, the record label's foot off of the artist's neck. We don't need you like that anymore. We can move without you now. You know, all you do need is a, a platform and a, and a good, strong internet connection, and you can get to your fans, man. You can do it. Yeah. So talk to me about how the Spitzlam situation came about. 
How did that? How did that, how'd that work? Uh, Spit, Spit Slam was started with a text message that I got randomly from Chuck D uh, during the COVID lockdown. Everybody's stuck in the house, and then one night I got this text message from Chuck, and he's like, "Yo, Rob, uh, you know I got this dude C Doc, and we got this label situation with nice distribution. We can get you out there." Blah, 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 blah. So I was like, "Okay." So I called him back. And, uh, you know, just to be clear on what we was talking about. So he was like, yeah, let's finish it up for the album. And um, this dude, C-Doc, had done my last couple of uh, albums. He's he's mad nice with it. And, you know, he's also a filmmaker. So, you know, all of that, it, it made sense to do. I mean, I wasn't doing nothing else. I'm stuck in the house. So I started writing songs. And the, the, the most difficult thing about making this album was... Finding a place to record because I didn't have the gear in the house to record my own stuff. I had to go out and find studios, and everybody was locked down. People got masks on their face. They don't want you to touch nothing. They got everything wrapped in plastic. It was weird, man. I, I had about six or seven different uh, engineers on this project, but I finally found, you know, I, I finally got enough people in it to, to get the shit done. So that's where it's at. I didn't realize that you had already previously worked with C Doc. He did your other two albums as well, fully. No, he did the other Public Enemy albums. Oh, okay. All right. I was confused. Yeah, he did the two previous Public Enemy albums before we started working. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So Empire Crumbles, I'm guessing you're talking about the United States. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Because it was looking crazy out here, man. Especially, you know, I'm in the New York area and and, uh, during the pandemic, I, I had occasion to come out. I'm walking down the street. There's nobody on the street. It looks like a movie set. This is Manhattan. You don't find Manhattan empty, man. I don't care what time of day or night it is. It's never empty, but I'm walking through Times Square and it was just me and like one cop, maybe. I think I saw one cop. That was it. That was weird. It was really strange to notice. And this was during the time I'm writing the album. So I'm trying to, you know, work out concepts and things. And so that just kind of fell in my lap. Yeah. You know, it looked like the empire was crumbling, man. It really did. (laughs) It sure as hell didn't feel like it. Yeah. You redid the power on the album. It brought in Chuck D for the do the track. What was the what was the incentive behind that? It was Chuck's idea. I definitely wanted to get Chuck on something. From the minute he sent a text message, I like, I Chuck, you you gonna be on this record too. So, but I didn't know what song to get him on. You know, like what what should I present to him? Like how can you know? And it was his idea. He was like, you know. Uh, he always liked the power. I think he told it to C Dog. He ain't telling me. He said he always liked the power. And so when I heard that, I called him up. I was like, yo, man, we got to get on this record and redo the record. And so that's how that worked. Yeah. That's yeah. Powerful piece, man. So what's next? Anything in the plan? Uh, more work, man. I'll probably be back in the studio doing some, uh, recording some more stuff while I can still talk because, you know, you're getting old. I don't know, man. I, I, I'll get back in. I'll do some more stuff. Um, Hopefully get out on the road, do some shows. And that's where I'm at. All right, brother. Well, you keep it going, man. I really want to know you're going to get out of here. you got stuff to do, but I really want to thank you for your time today. And I want to thank everybody thank for tuning, tuning in to the Leeds Entertainment Podcast. A very special guest, Jill Rob G. Thank you, brother, and best of luck. All right, man. Thank you. Appreciate it.